Hi, everybody. Welcome to Billy Joel A to Z. Today, we're here to talk about Everybody Loves You Now, and it's the third track and a great track. Right, Elon? This is one of my favorite songs. I really love this song. I think it's a great part of Cold Spring Harbor, Billy Joel's first album. What do you think, Dave? Wait, hold on a second. Who's that new audio engineer you hired? He's recording at the wrong speed. Who? Artie Rip Jr.? He's great. Maybe all the lights are turned on you. Now you're in the center of the stage. Everything revolves on what you do. Ah, you are in your prime, you've come of age And you can always have your way somehow Cause everybody loves you now Hello everybody and welcome to Billy Joel A to Z Well, it is a week of firsts Our last episode was our first song off of The Stranger And here we are today on the very next podcast To discuss our first song of a Billy Joel's debut album, Cold Spring Harbor. Today, we are discussing Everybody Loves You Now, the third track off the epic fail of what is Billy's least favorite album for a multitude of reasons, Cold Spring Harbor. Everybody Loves You Now was released as the B-side to She's Got Away in January of 1972. However, the song is apparently so popular, even though Dave Juskow has never heard it before, it is one of the songs included in 1981 Songs in the Attic, a live version which was performed on July 23rd, 1980 at the Bayou in Washington, D.C. And it's also on the concert albums of 12 Gardens Live and Live at Chase Stadium. How have I never heard this song before? We'll get into it in a second when Elon tries to guess where crazy Christopher Bonanos puts Everybody Loves You Now out of 121 Billy Joel songs. Elon? Well, I would say I would put this song very high. I like this song a lot. Crazy Christopher Bananos. I don't know. Cold Spring Harbor, not a good album. How high would he put any song on this album? I'm not sure, but I think this is one of the high ones. So I'm going to guess 38. Excellent. Your deduction was perfect. Uh, I think my reason for saying that is because it, it's off with the other guy. Uh, but you were right. It's at 29. Christopher Bananos. Well done, Christopher. And much, inter- much respect. He says, super catchy, bouncy piano, sneery, pretty strong cut for one that few people remember. Good way to say it. Glenn Gamboa from the 2017 Newsday article put it at 82 out of 124. A song that's about Long Island? How does he do that? I don't know. But the fans are right where you are and Christopher Bonanos at 32, which makes perfect sense. And I'm just going to start out saying, OMG exclamation point this song is so awesome yes i don't know how i never heard it before now i am so all in on cold spring harbor i don't know what to (laughs) expect next but this song is going on the new playlist it is up there with ain't no crime and blonde over blue this is the one this song is unbelievable i don't know how i missed it If he keeps continuing to play it in concert, I don't know how I missed it. It's amazing. It's brilliant. I can't believe this is off his first album. And again, the piano playing, it's insane. I'm so happy to hear you say this. I I was just, for me, I like this album so much. And especially this song might be the best song on the album. And all the time we've been doing this podcast, whenever you bring up that you haven't heard anything from Cold Spring Harbor, but you like those demos from that era, I was just thinking, oh, man, Dave is going to love this. And I couldn't wait to live vicariously through you. But then I was also scared. What if you hate this song? 
And like last night, I listened to it like 20 times, different versions and everything. And I kept, I couldn't even sleep. I was like dreaming about the song and I was thinking about what your reaction would be. And so I'm really, really happy. People can't see it, but I'm beaming right now that, that you like what I consider my child. I don't, you know, I mean, first of all, if you're thinking the way Christopher Bernardo says, like, why wouldn't I like this song? It's all piano based. You know, it's all piano based. Perhaps in the songs in the attic version, it's a little bit more guitar, but the Cold Spring Harbor version is completely piano based. And I just like piano. So I was all in on this. And I mean, the way he plays and just this song and the way it starts and the verses and the chorus, it all works for me. I love it. And I'm now only disappointed that you just said this is the best song on the album. So now I'm a little upset. Well, there's other, they're all really good. And, and if this is your style, this is your wheelhouse. But this one, for me, I, I, I just love the attitude that he has in this song. You know, like in those two bridge sections, the one where he mentions the Staten Island Ferry and then the, the Cold Spring Harbor mention, he's really sneering. And then all of the verses, though, he kind of does them pretty straightforward until that last one when he says, this is what you wanted, ain't you proud? And you can just feel the attitude like just coming out of him. And I don't know if he's singing about this woman or if he's just really pissed at Artie Rip for making him do like 40 different takes of the song. <laughs> but whatever it is, it's like you really feel the, the emotion that he had in this uh, in this song. I'm, I'm going to say it has nothing to do with Artie Rip because I don't think he hated Artie Rip as much as like until after the album. So I'm going to say it is about the woman. I think he just has conviction with his music. It's very much like in Big, big Shot in many ways. Contempt, I guess he, he feels or just uh, whatever that this woman is thinking like this this is going to be your break but hey you better be careful you think you're such a big shot now but uh it's yeah. funny that he just writes songs like this all the time <laughs> right this is like the first version of big shot basically and and he mentioned that this is like his bob dylan inspired song kind of like like a rolling stone and you could see that but it's kind of funny because like a rolling stone is like a six minute song and this he just puts that song on speed and just packs it all in to under three minutes just rapid fire it's just fantastic and, you know, I was going to I was going to uh, describe what the song is about, but I think we should let Billy Joel describe it uh, himself. I'm going to play something for you. This is Billy Joel in 1974 talking about this song. This is a song about a real. Uh, I don't know if I can say this on the air. Uh, yeah, 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 sure, sure. I'll go to jail. You're on, you're on. Yeah, what do you think I am? Lenny Bruce? Yeah, I can't do this. Uh, anyway, it's about a real. Bitch, that's what it's about. There's no other way to say it, man. Everybody knows a real bitch one time or another. I said it again, didn't I? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. He mentioned like because it was on the air. I don't know what he what he was. This was a show in Memphis. I don't know what it was being recorded for, maybe or if he was just radio, joking around. Maybe for the radio, like in Philadelphia. Yeah, it could be. You know, it's funny about this song. Did you did you watch the uh, version from the old gray whistle test? Yeah, BBC version. So I what I like about that version is so this is a, a very famous BBC show that a lot of if you listen to classic rock a lot and you and you get the albums of like the kinks BBC sessions or the who BBC sessions, you always hear this guy's voice like introducing whatever song because they were always on this show, the old gray whistle test. And so Billy Joel was on to promote the new album and he's lip syncing to the chipmunk version of this song that he hates on cold spring Harbor. And you can kind of see while he's doing it, he just hates that he has to lip sync to this 
clearly inferior version of the song. That was what I was going to ask you. I was like, why would he play it the same way that it is on Cold Spring Harbor? I didn't know it was lip synced. I thought he was doing it live. I'm like, look, he's doing it with that high speed again. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the stuff they on that show was always lip synced or what a band would do is they might record a new backing track. So it sounded live and then the singer would sing it live in the studio. I actually had it in my notes. He looks great. But how is that at the wrong speed, too? Yeah, because <laughs> I thought it was live, and he looks just like Paul McCartney. Yeah, he's all scraggly. It's, he's yeah. he looks very disheveled. Yeah, it's funny. He says it's a really tough piano part, which you listen to it, you say, "Duh." And he says, even to this day, it's really a piano part. I don't know if you saw any of the videos where people are trying to describe how to play it, and it, it takes about an hour. And they're like, "Now look, don't try it fast at first. It's going to take a day or two just to." do it slow then you can try and pick it up i mean it's really watching this guy try and teach people how to play it and it just you know your your hands are i'm making this motion of your hands being together it's like very close together it's not like one part is on the right side and one part's on the left side the bass and the treble it's it's close together and it just looks so difficult uh, <laughs> are you gonna try to learn it yeah, I immediately uh, asked my friend if he could, you know, get it for me so I could try. I mean, I'll never be able to do it that way, but, you know, I can just try and do the left hand chord pretty much and maybe try and move the right hand. I'll never be able to get I mean, that's again, that's well, I mean, there are people that play. I like to listen to all the people that cover it because I'm fascinated that anybody can play it that way. But a, a lot of people seem to like to cover it because it's one of those things. If you can do it, you know, you're the man because it's very impressive. Yeah, even if you don't even know the song, you're just impressed instantly that someone could play something like this. Now, you mentioned how the 1981 version, it's more guitar-based than piano-based. And someone had a comment in one of the live videos that from a 1974 show that in these earlier years, it was very much the piano-based song, and then later it shifted to towards the guitars. Now, in the guitar version, does that mean Billy's playing less on the piano or is he just accompanied more by guitars? I, it seems like it's less on the piano because that, that's what it seemed like to me, that it kind of took some pressure off him, that it seems like it's less work. Like he was playing. It's just like Angry Young Man, where he says, well, I'm trying to do the drum part of Wipeout on the piano. So it seems like he's doing the guitar part on the piano. And then I guess as he you know, got further along and had a, a bigger catalog, he was like, well, let me take some of the pressure off my thing. But the, the funny thing is, is that especially when it opens at that Sparks 1981 show, it sounds exactly like the opening of Pinball Wizard from uh, The Who. Do you notice yeah. that, too? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like insane. And, and I didn't like it as much. I like the piano intro. I'm with you. I think it's awesome when it comes in with that super fast piano. Because then the I want them to piano. go into Pinball Wizard. So, you know, I'm having problems. <laughs> like, well, now I want to listen to Pinball Wizard. Yeah. 
But that you're right about before when you said about that Staten Island, that Staten Island ferry line is fantastic. And it's really funny when you are watching these people do covers and they just have to talk about the Staten Island ferry. I don't know if you saw the uh, one on that show Smash with Jennifer Hudson. Uh, there was a boy singing it. It's funny because we were talking about American Idol people singing uh, last week's uh, show. Uh, Everybody has a dream. Yeah. We were talking about these American Idol people singing this, you know, the wrong song for them to sing. Meanwhile, you got these two American Idol uh, one winner and one no i'm sorry both runner-ups katherine mcvee and jennifer hutchins on the show smash and they sing this song everybody loves you now it starts with some, some boy well, when jennifer hudson sings it and she sings it she's such a good singer it's not a great song for a soulful singer because it's so quick but she really puts her own spin on it and it's good only speaks to those who will agree Yeah, and close your mind when you don't want to know Ah, oh, you have lost your innocence somehow Everybody loves you now But it's just fascinating that people are using this song to this day Like that they realize it's so kind of wonderful but it's it's just great when some kid is singing about the Staten Island Ferry and he probably doesn't even know where that is <laughs> yeah, I was even thinking from the BBC one. I was like, he's got to sing about Staten Island. These people in England are like, what the hell is this? Where is Cold Spring Harbor? Between you and me and the Staten Island Ferry. Great lyrics. I love it. And I like the beginning of that line is my favorite. where He's like, oh, they all want your white body, which I say to myself every day in the shower. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, and also, <laughs> but you ain't got the time to go to Cold Spring Harbor. And I guess it is told that that this song is where the album title came from. Right. I can confirm that because since you have not heard the rest of the album, this is the only mention of Cold Spring Harbor on the album. And what I thought was weird, again, going back to that old gray whistle test on the BBC, is that both times the host of that, Bob Harris, calls the song Cold Spring Harbor. And I wonder oh. if maybe in an early, before it was released, if that was recorded before the release of the album, maybe they changed it and maybe originally it was called Cold Spring Harbor and then they changed the title of the song. To everybody loves you now. If that's the case, that would be a huge mistake. Um, this song needs to be called "Everybody Loves You Now." It should not be called "Cold Spring Harbor." It's just you know, it's just uh, doesn't make any sense because it's only about one person who won't come back to Cold Spring Harbor. So that would be a mistake, right? And he says "Everybody Loves You Now" like forty-eight times in the song. So. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, do you know this is this is one of the five songs he included on the demo tape to send to Paramount Records when he was trying to get a deal. This unsuccessfully, I guess. Unsuccessfully, you said, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Unsuccessfully. And this this is one of the songs. This was one of his first songs. And uh, I'm amazed. Give me the statistics. Apparently, he still plays this in concert. What are the what are the stats? Yes, this is very interesting. Everybody Loves You Now from the Cold Spring Harbor album that Billy Joel hates that he doesn't even own, according to him. He does not have a copy of this album. It is the 35th most played song live, 140 documented performances. And remember, many of those early 70s and mid 70s performances are not listed on setlist.fm when this was definitely in every single one of those playlists or most of them, because, you know, he was playing this constantly in those early days. So I imagine if we had a full accounting of all the shows he ever did, this would be right up there in the top 10. But even so, in the last 10 years or so, it's 
it, it's been very heavily used by him in concert. Up until 2016, it was being played on maybe a monthly basis and a little bit less frequently recently. I'm fascinated. When I saw that it was on Live at Shea and 12 Gardens Live, I, I didn't even know it was on Songs from the Attic or Songs in the Attic. Wait. Toys in the Attic. <laughs> how can I get it wrong every single time? You know that you remember that song, Don't Go Changing, that I like so much? We'll be back with the Magic Tunes for the Armada Room's two-hour disco swing party after this short break. Till then, don't you go changing. Yeah, yeah, I know that song. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know where I've been, apparently on another planet. Uh, me and Richard Branson uh, were in Mars the other day, and I came back, and apparently <laughs> this song was a big smash. And I don't know what happened. I'm very embarrassed. And it's very embarrassing to do a Billy Joel podcast and then have never heard this unbelievable song. <laughs> what an idiot I am. But I think for listeners, it's kind of cool because if, if you were an old, grizzled Cold Spring Harbor fan, you wouldn't have this much emotion talking about the song now. Now that we're all getting to hear your initial reaction to a great song. I'm so excited about it. And here's something interesting. The, this Hank Bartowitz is the Billy Joel biographer. He said he, he called it, I guess when it first came out, it, he calls it a remarkable composition that while not great, at least indicated a rising talent, which makes so much sense that, you know, being off the first album, that is exactly what this song does. But then of course, over time, it's also great. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. This, I mean, I think Billy used this album to try to be like a singer songwriter to show off his chops in different ways. And this was like, his perfect hard-edged pop song on the album. Well, exactly. He sent five of these songs to as a demo tape, and this is one of them. This was certainly one you would send. Where, like, you know, where if I was at the thing, I'd be like, God, "This guy's unbelievable on the piano. I've never heard a song like this before." And then they're like, "But we don't see it." Yeah, we don't want to hear anyone talking about Staten Island Ferry. This is not commercial. Yeah, Paramount sucks. Well, Billy said that this song, you know. Um, she's got away was like such a schmaltzy corny kind of song so he needed this song to kind of counteract it he needed to have something that had a hard angry edge to it to even out the album a little bit see and that's smart thinking yeah you know going back to the live for a second this is something that i remember we talked about maybe a couple episodes ago you want you were interested in like where a song shows up in the set list always. and this song is almost always the third song played in concert by billy joel well that's insane because Remember when we were talking about Angry Young Man and we always know that's up front or the fourth song or something. I mean, that's well, it has to be the third because it's got to be really tough to play. So it's like he's got to play these quick, unbelievable piano pieces that he could do as a much younger man. He's got to play them up front or his hands are going to, you know, going to he's never going to be able to play something like this or Angry Young Man towards the end of the concert. Yeah, that's exactly it. If I were him, I would play Angry Young. I would. Maybe, well, I guess you don't want to do it. I was just thinking I would open the second half with this song for sure. I'd be totally into it. But again, then you're opening. If you open with Angry Young Man, which he does often because it's awesome. You know, nobody doesn't like just hearing those first couple of chords like that. And then if you open with this in the second half, then it's like, well, he's doing the same thing. So you really do have to mix it up. But well, that's only if he's doing a show with an intermission, which isn't uh, always the case. I don't think I feel like I've always. Maybe you're right. I feel like I've always seen him have an intermission. I don't know why. I think when I saw him a couple of years ago, I think he just went straight through. I, that's the right way to do it. Although an intermission provides all this great stuff where you can close out something and you can do everything twice. 
you know, because there's nothing better than starting a show, a live show. There's nothing better. The crowd goes crazy. You don't know what they're going to start with. And one note comes out and you're like, oh, and it's exciting. And maybe there's a misdirection. And then, of course, closing out a show gets exciting, too. You know, and then you have the encore or whatever. So if you can do it twice, it's not a horrible plan. But really, right, you should probably go all the way through. I don't know why I thought there wasn't it. Well, I guess it uh, maybe you have the intermissions at like Shea Stadium and stuff, because for those big outdoor shows, maybe it's like maybe it's different. I don't know. We were talking about a song. I forget which one it was, where we were talking about the intermission and how he went into like lullaby and some other. It was like a couple of slow songs. I think right that out was the, the Shea one or Yankees. Yeah, Shea, I think it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was really odd. Right. Didn't make any sense to come back out of an intermission, go to Captain Jack. Well, that we said, I think he might have opened with Captain Jack. We're like, well, people are coming back from the bathroom. And then and then he had something great. And then he went into the slow again. Yeah, it was very odd. Yeah. Maybe his hands hurt by that time because he's playing uh, Everybody Loves You Now. <laughs> Should have taken his Advil. You know, one other thing, there's uh, there's that live performance on WMMR radio, which is, I guess, the same. Maybe it could probably be the same show as the, Cap- the famous Captain Jack one. So nobody ever talks about this one. And in that version, there's some really excellent drumming, which mm. is, you know, not heard so much on a regular version of this song. Yeah, actually, I didn't listen to that one. But what I love about the song is there's so many live versions on YouTube. You can just go through like dozens of them. Um, but I, I listened to another one that was really early from it might be the earliest from 1971 in Hempstead, Long Island. And I noticed also that the drumming seemed really, really good on that, too. And I think that's his drummer at the time was this guy uh, was his name Reese Clark, Witherspoon? Who, oh. who's from yeah Reese Witherspoon's dad, <laughs> also named Reese Witherspoon. Uh, he's a drummer from New Zealand. And that was Billy's drummer on Cold Spring Harbor and in his touring band for the first couple of years. Until Liberty had him killed. Yeah, as we all know, uh, <laughs> Liberty uh, dumped him into the, the New York Harbor. <laughs> he dumped him into the Cold Spring Harbor. <laughs> he looked at his white body just floating away. <laughs> Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? Yes, I do. All right, here we go. Which one of Billy Joel's heroes ripped off his Staten Island Ferry line only one year later? Okay. (laughs) Uh, I have absolutely no idea, so I'm just going to think of who his heroes are. I will say that uh, John Lennon. That is absolutely correct. Your deductions are unbelievable. <laughs> what song is it? Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think, oh, I believe the song is called New York City. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. It was like a toss up for me between him and Paul McCartney. But I was like, Lennon, he's a New York guy. That's right. Was, and apparently he, uh, he had a home in Cold Spring Harbor. Right. We had that on another trivia Yeah, when Billy would ride his boat past Lennon's house. Right. Well, I've got a trivia question for you. I was hoping. (laughs) As is tradition, I also have a trivia question. And it better not be something like, I don't know, like some 50s, uh, you know, blues group guy member that, uh, you know, no one's ever heard of. It better be something fun. The 1954 doo-wop group, The Platters, (laughs) is well known for their... (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You little... Okay, here's my question. What hated professional sports team owner went to Cold Spring Harbor High School? 
Okay, yeah, right. Is it the guy from the Raiders? No. Jones? Uh, Jip, shit. What, what, uh, from the Dallas Cowboys? Nope. Oh. Does he does he seem like a Long Island guy to you? No, not at all. That's why <laughs> I was getting confused. Uh, what was the other thing I was thinking of? Al Davis? No. So, uh, all right, so I'm wrong, but let me just keep guessing for a second. Is it the guy from the who used to own the Cleveland Browns who moved them away? No, the Colts and moved them away. No, uh, let me let me narrow it down for you. It's a it's a hated local professional sports team owner. But is he dead now? Is it still, Leon Hess? No, still living. Damn it. Hated. Oh, sports team. Oh, oh, it's not football. Why did I immediately think football? I don't know. Oh, uh, it's um the guy that owns the Knicks. That horrible, yeah. horrible human being who owns uh, the cable. Uh, why can't I think of his name? Because I hate him. I'm putting it out of my head. And he well, owns the Rangers, too, right? You're right. I'll give you the name. It's James Dolan. James Dolan. What a piece of crap. And for so many different reasons, too. I actually interviewed uh, this guy who was in one of my favorite musicals called The Scarlet Pimpernel. His name was Douglas Sills. That's who it was. And he said he had trouble with James Dolan. I'm like, well, how the hell is that possible? And apparently <laughs> he was part of this uh, show of uh, The Scarlet Pimpernel. And he's like, he had trouble with Dolan. I'm like, does anybody have a good time with this guy? I'll tell you who has a good time with him. Billy Joel. His long-standing MSG residency. Thank you, James Dolan, for that one thing. Oh, my God. You're right. Right. We actually have to thank James Dolan for being a genius. For, for It's the for only thing. good thing he did. You know what would be good? So, wait. So, he's a Long Island guy? Yeah. Born in Massapequa and went to Cold Spring Harbor Junior and Senior High School. Boy, that makes a lot of sense. Well, how do you like that? I was just bad-mouthing the guy, and then he does the right. I forget sometimes. That is probably his doing. Billy, you can play here as long as you want. Make sure you do that song that mentions Cold Spring Harbor, though. <laughs> There's only one caveat. Oh, that's a good, that's an outstanding trivia question, Elon. I'm sorry I made fun at the beginning. Oh, thank you. I Actually, I was like, oh, man, I wish I had something better. But uh, I was trying to think also, I was like, what other Billy Joel songs mention a boat? Oh. <laughs> but I was like, there's probably a ton of them that I can't think of right now. No, I'm not going to go a, through every lyric. That was a good one. A really good one. So, Dave, it's time for the Weird Alon parody for this song. Everybody loves you now. Uh, do you want to guess what my parody is going to be called? I don't want to guess it. I just don't know how you're going to sing it so quickly. I know. I'm going to. Yeah, tough. that is that is tough. That is tough. Uh, I'll tell you the name of the song beforehand this time. My parody is called Everybody Loves Raymond. Crap. I was hoping it wouldn't be that, but go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> All right. Brother, all the lights are turned on you. You're featured in the Newsday Sports page. I'm a cop, but I don't get my due. Get no respect. It fills me up with rage. I should be our parents' favorite son. But everybody loves Raymond. I'm going to do the next part, too. Oh. Ah, <laughs> uh, your voice sounds just like Kermit. Yeah, that voice is a curse. Ah, uh, but between you and me and the Long Island Railroad, mine is worse. Hey, now. Well, I'm not sure if that second verse was necessary, but I know you wanted to put in the Long Island Railroad. I realized that, so that makes sense. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, well, you wanted I, to put in the Staten Island Ferry line, so. How could I leave out that part of the song? It's my favorite right, right, right. part of the song. Yeah, so that made, that was, that's, that was a good 
option against the Staten Island Ferry, the Long Island Railroad. So, And it, it is factual. Not only does Ray Romano have a really funny voice, but uh, so does uh, what's his name? Tall guy, his brother, Brad Garrett, Brad Garrett. So, uh, yeah, that was Everybody Loves Raymond, folks. <laughs> Check it out on WPIX every night. <laughs> Well, folks, that was the classic Everybody Loves You Now. If you like our podcast, be sure to leave us five stars and tell your friends. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Do you see the Bob Dylan influences in this song? Because we don't really. Is this also one of your favorite hidden gems? Should Dave spend the rest of his summer trying to learn this song on the piano? And have you ever been on the Staten Island Ferry? Until next time, I'm Alon Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. See how all the people gather around. Isn't it a thrill to see them crawl? Keep your eyes ahead, don't look down. Yeah, lock yourself inside your sacred wall. Oh, this is what you want. Everybody